in God's house. And won't it be fantastic when Jesus comes again and the whole earth is singing his praises, hey? Won't that be fantastic? Uh, we just want to welcome you all here this morning. We've got some uh, dedications here this morning. In particular, welcome to the Males family who are dedicating their little Hannah and to the Hogans who are dedicating their little Madison here this morning as well. Also, I believe there's a rumour going around that Sandro and Skiatroma and, uh, and Graham Smith are here with us this morning. Can't see them, but they're here. Hey, welcome. Welcome, Sandro. And Graham. Graham's here somewhere. No? Yeah? He's hiding. <laughs> He's hiding. Fantastic. Hey, look, we just want to say how excited we are that last week we had our special offering for Malawi. And guess what? We raised almost $20,000. That's fantastic, isn't it? What a generous church. And uh, it just is so exciting to see that that money is actually going to go to further God's kingdom. Uh, and, that, and I'm just so thrilled about that. Look, we have some young people that have gone away this week to the ESA camp and um, we're just thrilled about that too because these camps, I know personally my own children have gone many, many times to these camps and they just help in the for, uh, spiritual and Christian formation of our young kids. So please be praying for them this week that God will really speak to them while they're away. Next Sunday, we have a special service here. Um, we're going to celebrate the opening of our counselling centre. And what I just really want to highlight is that we're actually going to have um, a church-wide lunch afterwards. So please stay, but please bring something, okay? That would be really great. And if you're really organised, you can actually leave. And as you're leaving at the information desk, you can actually put down what you're actually going to bring. So I know you've all been thinking about that this week. <laughs> so if you could just do that, that'd be great. Um, our Life Force programs are commencing, not this Tuesday night, but the next. It's not too late to enrol for that. Um, and lastly, uh, these blue cards. A little later on in the service, we'll be taking up these um, blue cards as part of our offering fantastic way to let us know who you are if you're new so we can follow you up fantastic way to um, for us to know if you need follow-up with prayer uh, with any number of, of issues just have a look at the back and start looking at that and um, yeah so yep yeah, over to Jonathan thanks Gail Wonderful news, isn't it, that uh, almost 20,000, we overshot our target by almost 5,000. What a, what a heart and what a uh, just heart of generosity we have. It's just so encouraging, church. Here's what it says in John chapter 1 and verse 1. 
And uh, Graham Smith just arrived up the back. Welcome, Graham. We just. We're just welcoming Sandro, who's here as well, and uh, so it's great to have you guys back. No heckling this morning, okay? <laughs> John chapter 1, and verse 6. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we're looking forward to looking this morning at the mystery of faith in Christ. Uh, We want to now welcome these two families this morning, the Hogans and the Males. So why don't you give them a welcome as they come up this morning. And they'll be juggling kids and doing all those kind of things. And we'll just love that because many of you have kids here today because there's it's school holidays and it's a kid-friendly service this morning, isn't it? So come right through over to that side, you guys. Great. And just come down to the front there. That's great. Welcome. <laughs> Look at these two great families. Isn't it wonderful to have Two families uh, right here this morning, right in God's house, and all of us uh, about to hear the, uh, themselves, the parents, dedicating themselves to bringing up these children and to bringing up these particular two beautiful daughters that they have. And uh, for us to commit ourselves again to encouraging children in our church and to acknowledging, acknowledge that God is good and he has brought these children into the world and they belong to him. So we're here and we're doing this and as both Matt and Stacey and as Melissa and Simon come with their families, they're doing what uh, Mary and Joseph did with Jesus. They presented him at the temple and that's what they're doing. And uh, we're looking forward to this, this time today. Some words from God's word about uh, the value of children found in Mark chapter 10 and verse 13 to 16. And this is what it, how it reads in the New Living Translation. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. But when Jesus saw what was happening, he was very displeased with his disciples. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. 
for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. And he took the little children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. In the words from Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Why don't we pray together and give thanks to God for the birth of these children Madison and Hannah as well. Let's pray. God, this morning we give you praise. You are the creator of everything. You give us life. You give us breath. Each new day is a gift from your hand. And God, you are our father. We just want to take these moments this morning, God, to say thank you. Thank you for the joy that we have received and these families have received because Madison and Hannah have been born. What an incredible miracle it is to see these precious gifts of new life that you've given us. Oh God, thanks for all the good gifts that you've given to us through them. And thanks for the incredible potential of these babies, these little girls. We thank you for them and for the unlived days that lie ahead. Thanks for the love that they've stirred up and for the care that surrounds them. You're a good God and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we want to ask uh, all of you to make some promises this morning. We're going to ask the kids even to respond in a moment too. Um, And I'll just ask these questions, first of all, uh, to the parents. And we want to remind you, you know, you're in front of your church family here and before God as we make these promises together. So Matt and Stacey and Simon and Melissa, do you thank God for his gift of your children? And do you accept the joys and the duties of parenthood, promising to love and care for them. We do. Great. And let me ask you now, do you promise to bring up your child within the Christian community and to share with her your own faith and your own trust in Jesus? Great. We hear your words. And now I want to say to the uh, brothers and sisters of these two little girls, so why don't I ask you you guys first, Jessica and Tegan, and maybe maybe you can speak in that if you want to. You don't have to. But let me ask you, do you promise to be good friends with your sister and as she grows to help her as much as you can to, to love Jesus? Yes. Great. Wonderful. And now I want to ask you, Jonathan and Samuel, 
do you promise to be good friends with your sister and as she grows to help her as much as you guys can to love Jesus? Great. That's good stuff, isn't it? And now um, what I want to do is now just say to these two beautiful little girls, to say to Madison and to say to Hannah, we as a church welcome you. We welcome you in the name of the Lord. And church this morning, if you agree, would you say in a big loud, we do, uh, your response to this question? Do you, church, promise to offer to Madison and to Hannah and to their families your love and your care? And do you join with their parents in sharing your Christian faith wherever possible in the future with both uh, Madison and with Hannah? Great. Well, why don't we all stand together as we pray? We're going to pray a prayer for these two little babies' lives. We're going to pray specifically for for Madison and for Hannah this morning, lifting up our hearts as a church uh, before God. Let's, Let's pray. Oh God, we pray this morning for the two families that stand before us, for the Hogans and for the Males. And we thank you for their love for you and their trust in you. And God, we pray that their homes would continue to be ones that honour you, with you as the Lord of their homes, Lord Jesus. We pray that uh, the way in which they love one another and the way they live would honour you. And God, take all that we offer, that these families offer to Madison and Hannah, and all that we offer as a church to them, our care, our wisdom, our mistakes, and through them reveal yourself, God, to these girls. I take the experiences that they will have in their lives and through those experiences, speak to them your word, God. And as they grow in body and mind and spirit, oh God, feed and guide them. Guide and feed Madison and Hannah by your spirit and bring them safely through their childhood, God, we pray, and through their youth and, Lord, lead them to a point where they Declare for themselves that you, Lord Jesus, are their Lord. This is our prayer. Our hearts are unified as we lift this up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please take your seats. And now I'll take this from you. And can I hold a little... Madison, thank you. Great. Wonderful. There you go. Now let me ask you, Matt and Stacey, what have you named your little daughter? Madison Hope Hogan. Madison Hope Hogan. Let me pray this prayer for her now. Madison Hope Hogan, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his hand of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Great. Wonderful. Good one. 
Hello. How are you, Hannah? Now, Simon and Melissa, what have you named your child? Hannah Alice Mayo. Hannah Alice Mayo. Now, let me pray this prayer. There we go. Are you ready? That's all right. Just get my hand around there. Hannah Alice Mayo. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you <laughs> and give you his peace. Amen. <laughs> she might be a pastor, you never know. <laughs> That's great. Wonderful. What a two beautiful families with uh, great, great girls. And uh, this morning, um, our hearts and our prayers are with you both. And we just want to say congratulations. And now as you continue to build families that honour Jesus uh, with Christ as the head of the home, we're going to be praying for you. And we'll continue to look out for you and encourage you. So God bless and thank you. Here's a certificate for you both. Oh, there we go. Great. <laughs> Let's uh, thank God for them. Thank you. thank you. God bless. See you guys. Did well, kids. Thanks. Great stuff. Ransom. Great words we've just sung together. And I think more than anyone, Paul the Apostle, would come around this communion table, if he was here today, with an incredible sense of gratitude for what Christ has done for him. Listen to what he wrote in 1 Timothy 1.15. He said, Here is a trustworthy saying, that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul calls himself the worst, the worst of sinners. Paul was an incredible man of God. We think of him and we think of him as a hero of the faith, and rightly so. He served God with all that he has, all that he had. And yet, Paul never saw himself that way because he remembered his life before he met Jesus. And he remembered all the things that he had done before he met Christ. And the more he understood God's grace, the more he was aware of his own sinfulness before God. And it resulted in an incredible humility that said, I am the worst of sinners, yet Christ died for me. I'm no different from Paul. I mean, I, just like Paul, have been uh, someone whose life is just, has been marred in the past by incredible selfishness. 
There's been times when I've hurt others deeply, times when I've acted in ways that I'm ashamed of. Yet I am too am filled with a thankfulness for what Christ did for me on the cross. Do you know the only uh, way that you cannot receive what Christ has done for you on the cross is by claiming that you're not a sinner. You know, by saying that I'm perfect and everything's right with me and I deserve God's favour and his blessing. And it would be you know, the only thing that would bar you from accepting what Jesus is offering. Because if you're not a sinner, you don't need a cross. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And as a church, those who have come to know Jesus are people that are filled with humility and thankfulness for what Christ has done and given us what we did not deserve. Never forget what we were. Let us live in the undeserving grace that has been given to us through Jesus' death on the cross. That's what this time is for. It's for us to remember. To remember, as John Newton said, John Newton, a, a former slave ship commander, who said at 82 years of age, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I'm a great sinner and that Christ is a great saviour. No wonder he understood God's grace so well. He would say, like Paul, I was a great, great sinner. That's why he wrote, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a, a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Jesus wanted to remember God's amazing grace to us, so he said that when we gather together, we should eat and drink, take the bread and the cup, and remember that Christ died for us. And on the first Sunday in every month, we gather together and we remember what Jesus has done. So as you are served this morning, take the bread and as you eat it, remember that Christ died for you and feed on him with thanksgiving. And as you served the cup, thank God for allowing the blood of Jesus to be shed so that you can be forgiven. We're going to pray together. and Aaron, a deacon at our church, is going to just lead us now in prayer. Thanks, Aaron. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, as we gather around this communion table this morning, we know that we are unworthy. We know that we have sinned and that we are unable to kneel before your throne of our own accord. We come here this morning knowing that in our own strength that we're unable to be in your presence. But we know also, Lord, that through your son Jesus, a man who had no sin, a man that loved us 
dearly that he died upon a cross at Calvary and took each of our sins upon himself. And for this, Lord, we are we're truly thankful. We're thankful that your son Jesus endured the punishment that we deserved, the punishment of death and eternal separation from you. And Lord, by the love and the grace that you've shown each and every one of us, you made an exchange. You made it possible for us to be reconciled with you. And it's only through Jesus that we can come before you now, holy and acceptable as a new creation, found in you. And as we take this bread and this cup, Lord, we remember the sacrifice that you've made for each of us so that we can come into your presence. And we just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We invite you to share in this meal today. You don't need to be a member of this church to share in this meal. But you do need to love Jesus because this is remembering what Christ has done for us on the cross. And if you love him and if you've given your life to him and if you are thankful for what he has done on that cross for you, take these elements and eat them with gratitude and humility. For God's amazing grace has touched your life. You, just like me, a great sinner, have a great saviour. Let's eat together. Hold on to the uh, cup once you're served, but take and eat the bread as you're uh, served it this morning. Let's share together. Now let us drink together thankful that we have a truly great saviour. God, this morning we do thank you. You are a God who just overwhelms us with mystery. That you would send your son to us to die, that we could be forgiven. We are thankful. And it's because of you, Jesus... It's because of you that we're set free, that we're forgiven, that we're restored. We're just amazed and overwhelmed with thankfulness for that. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I've got to tell you something about me. And uh, 
I've got to tell you this. is a little bit of a um, habit I have. When I see something that I don't quite understand, do you know what happens to me? I, I get in, interested and I want to find out more. I want to unpack why something doesn't work or why it does work. And the mystery around items kind of grabs me in and makes me want to find out more. And you know what? This gets me in all sorts of trouble sometimes. Like uh, just a couple of months ago, the lawnmower just started making crazy noises. And I thought, I gotta find out what's wrong. There's a mystery there. I wanna un unpack that. So I pulled the whole lawnmower apart and it took, took me weeks to sort of put it all back together again. And it still made the sa same terrible noise. And so I took it into the lawnmower people and they uh, fixed it up and said, here it is, back good as new. And I said, what was wrong? They said, oh, your mower blades had come loose. A <laughs> hundred bucks later, I, you know, the mystery was solved. And just a, a, two weeks ago now, I was sick of you know, moving the mouse on our personal computer at home. Uh, it, it wouldn't move where it was supposed to. And my, the mystery of what was wrong got the better of me. And I opened the mouse. And as I did, springs just went everywhere. <laughs> and now we have a brand new mouse at our house. <laughs> <laughs> I think this kind of desire for us to know something that we don't know and find out more about it was probably seen most clearly a couple of months ago when uh, Georgia, who was six, turned seven and she had her birthday. And as a result of her birthday, she ended up with this, you know, fistful of money that she needed to spend. So we all went to uh, a toy shop together um, and Mandy and I, with our two girls, Alexandra and Georgia, walked through the shop trying to find out uh, what she could spend her money on. And the first thing that we kind of uh, looked at, you know, we'd start all calling out from all different parts of the shop, hey, Georgia, what about Play-Doh? Nah. What about Jigsaws? Boring. You know, what about a princess fairy sort of... Uh, what do you call those things? Doll things. No, already got them, you know. And we just couldn't find anything. And then all of a sudden, my eyes fell on something that I knew would just grab her attention. It, it had mystery such around it that I knew this would be exactly what she wanted. And so I said, hey, Georgia, what about this? What about this? And the whole, everyone in the family said, that's it. That's exactly what it is. And you want to know what it was? This is it. It was... Marvin's magic box of tricks. As soon as Georgia said it, she said, I want it. She slammed down the money. And you know, her and her sister, they went home and they went straight to Georgia's room and they opened the box and they started learning all the tricks and they did it right up until tea time and then Mandy and I, after tea, sat down on the couch and they performed a magic show. And we were mystified. Uh, you know, Georgia, here she is, was making magic balls, like balls disappear before our eyes. She's only seven, just turned seven, and she's a magician, and we were amazed. And, and you know what? The best part of all this was she, she went to show and tell, and she showed the whole class, and she said, Dad, you know, there were kids running around, boys running around after me at lunchtime, saying, how did you do that? How did you find that out? Because <laughs> the truth is, when there's a mystery, we want to know more about it, don't we? We want to find out more about what's going on. You know, God is a God of, of mystery. 
And, and when I think about it, there are so many mysteries about God that I just want to ask more questions and find out more. Like when the Bible opens with its first verses, it says, in the beginning, God created. And I think, wow, what would it have been like to have been there? I mean, what was it like when there was nothing but God and then God created? That's mysterious. I want to know more. And I think about, oh, there's the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, just one God. I think, that's a mystery. How does all that work together? I want to find out more about that. And then I think about the fact that God is omnipresent. You know, he can be, he's everywhere at once. There's no place where God is not. And I think, here he is, right here amongst us today. And yet he's just as much with the people who slept in today and are at home <laughs> and with the people in Africa who are going to be getting news that we you know, exceeded our target. But right over there, right now, right there, God's just as much there. And I think, what a mystery. You know, I want to share with you a mystery this morning that I think if you will unpack it with me this morning, if you'll engage with this mystery of God. You know what I really think? It can change your whole, uh, who you are. It can change your whole identity. It can change your whole identity. But not only that, this mystery can change your whole eternity. And I think as well as that, if you will engage and find out more this morning, that it will change the way you view other people, every other person that you look at. Today, a mystery. As John opens in John chapter 1, the the passage is just full of mystery already. Uh, The way he starts in verse 1 is is this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. I mean, as soon as you just read that, you think that is just packed with incredible depth, and yet mystery and wonder. And, and as John writes this first chapter, we get down to verse 14 and look what he writes in John chapter 1 and verse 14. He writes this mystery that God became man. Look what it says. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word who was in the beginning was the word, the one in whom and through whom all things were created and in whom all things hold together, became flesh. I love the way John uses that term, flesh. I mean, he could have said, and the word became a body, or the word became human. But he says this word almost to kind of be crass or or really earthy. He says the word became flesh. I mean, it's flesh and bones and blood. And and this what he's saying is God became man. And he came to earth and he dwelt among us. I think that's an incredible mystery. I said to my daughter Alex the other day, I said, can you imagine that if you were living at Jesus, the time Jesus was, you could have played soccer with Jesus. I hadn't even been to soccer yet, but you you could have touched his face. She said, wow, that's incredible. Can you imagine, though, just walking the streets 
and hearing, walking past a carpenter shop and hearing soaring and hammering and putting your head in and looking upon God in the flesh. The one who flung stars into space. What a mystery. But I don't think that's the biggest mystery. You know what I think is even more amazing to me? That God became flesh, but, but many didn't recognise him. Look what it says in John 1, verse 10 to 11. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not recognise him. Can you imagine that? God made everything. Jesus was part of making everything in and through him. All creation was made. And yet the very people that he made looked on him and didn't recognise him. You know, they must have heard him speak the Sermon on the Mount with power and authority. They must have seen him and witnessed his healings where the blind received their sight, the lame started to leap and walk around. They they would have seen the miracles like the feeding of the 5,000, like walking on water, like calming the storm. And yet they locked eyes with the creator of the heavens and the earth and were unmoved. That's incredible. Even that God would create and make people that would have a choice to respond or not respond to him is a mystery which I just think shows our incredible God. Can you imagine walking along the Sea of Galilee and locking eyes with the one who created you and feeling nothing? And yet today, there are millions and millions of people in this world who wake up every day and live their lives and yet think, Jesus, take him or leave him. Jesus, a great historical person, but nothing more. And there are people that drive past our church and, and know that our church is a church that names the name of Jesus and, and that we're a church that has Christ as the head of our church and yet they drive past to work, from work, to the shops, back and they walk past unmoved. What a mystery. But then John talks about this incredible mystery, which I think if you will grasp today and engage with, that you, it can change your, all you are and your future and the way you see others. And this is what it says. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The incredible mystery here that I want us to engage in is the fact that through faith in Jesus Christ, I can become God's child. I just find that staggering. That through faith in Jesus Christ, I can become God's child. I can actually call God Abba, Father, that that he would look upon me as his son and look upon you as his daughter. 
I find that just incredible. And I think, well, how, how, how can we unpack this together? It says, first of all, the, 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 the who is this verse addressed to? It says, yet to all. And when John's readers were, were reading this, you know what they would have thought? They would have thought, this is absolutely fantastic news because they knew that in order to be saved through philosophy, you had to be really intelligent. You just had to be really smart. And they knew that through Gnosticism, you know, you had to have access to secret knowledge in order to be saved. And they knew too you know, that, that if you were Jewish, to be a Jew, you had to be born into the right family, it seems. And that's the only way it, it seemed. And yet here's John with this good news saying, yet to all, to all, to everyone who believes, you can become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And they would have rejoiced because they knew that slave, whether slave nor free, they were included. Whether they were rich or poor, they were included. Whether old or young, this was part of, for them. Whether they were Jews or Gentiles, or whether they were male or female, all, everybody could be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And the good news is, this includes you. Whether you're old, young, male, female, rich, poor, whether you, you know, think that you've done too many horrible things or shameful things to be accepted whether you have been coming for a long, long time and never felt uh, anything. It's yet to all, to all. So no matter who you are this morning, this verse is right there speaking to you. The whom of this verse? To all. The, the kind of uh, how of this verse is yet to all who received him to those who believed in his name. So it's addressing everyone. And what do we need to do to become a child of God? Well, it just simply says here in, in, in this verse, yet to all who received him. And how do you receive him? Well, you believe in his name. What do I need to believe about Jesus in order to receive him and therefore become a child of God? Well, you need to believe that he was who he said he was. Uh, he said, uh, I, I am God. He, he lived a life that was perfect, sinless. The words that he spoke had such power and we need to believe that they were the very words of God. And Jesus came and he was put to death on a cross and as he was nailed to the cross, the Bible says that he was taking upon himself the sins of the world, yours and my sins. We need to believe that through faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus took upon himself my sin, your sin, that he took upon everything, every thought, everything you have done wrong. And he paid the penalty on the cross. We need to believe too that not only that was that he paid the penalty, but he rose again and he conquered sin and death. And he conquered the, the, the fact that death is the end now. No, those who believe him because Jesus has risen can have a relationship with him, can receive the Holy Spirit as we believe in him and now have eternal life forever. If we accept those things, if we... That, that's what it means to receive him, 
to believe that Jesus is who he said he was, to, to accept that the things that he did are for you and me and to respond and to receive him. Now, there's a big difference to believing and just having good opinions. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about Jesus. You know, they, they know, I think, a lot about him, but there's a big difference to believing and having ideas about Jesus. Um, like, for instance, I've showed you this before, but it's worth illustrating again. I could believe or have an opinion that this chair will hold me if I stand on it, okay? I can believe it, have an opinion about it. But you don't know that I really believe that this chair can hold me until what happens? Until I stand on it. Then you're going to know that I really believe this will hold me. And look at that. My belief had good foundations. It does hold me. And you know what? An idea is something we pick up and take around with us. You know, we walk around with an idea about Jesus. But a belief in Jesus picks us up and takes us around. It it determines where we will go and what we won't go, who we will gather with, who we won't gather with, what we will give our whole life to and what we won't. Because when we believe in Jesus, it affects how we behave and and it changes us. A great difference between an idea and a belief. And Jesus, John said, yet to all, they're the who, who received him, by believing in his name, by putting their trust and faith in him, giving everything. The the what? He gave the right to become children of God. That's the what in this verse. Uh, He gave the right to become children of God, that I could call God Abba, Father, Daddy, that I could say I'm a child of the King. That's an incredible thing. And, and you know what? Uh, you might ask yourself, what kind of God is, is, uh, what kind of father is God? Like if I become a child of God, like is that going to be good for me or, or bad for me? And God is a God with unlimited love. Like you can't exhaust his love. He has incredible wisdom. Uh, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the father of lights. Uh, there's no way that you can kind of, uh, you know, hide things from him and he knows every single need that you have. He's the best father you could ever have. And I don't know about you, but I've been deeply moved in the last few weeks where we've read reports of, you know, um, mothers with, like, kids everywhere and them in neglect, you know. We've seen photos of houses where there's, you know, dead dogs in the, in the sort of gardens and, and junk everywhere and kids malnourished and having to be taken to hospital because the parents have not been able to look after them. Oh, God, is nothing like that as a father. He's the complete opposite. Uh, we heard just two weeks ago about a father, it seemed, who took, killed his own children and took his own life. It, we see such terrible examples of what, parent, what can happen to parents, how they treat their children. God is the complete opposite. He allowed his own son to die for you so you might live. He's the best father you could ever have. Yet to all who received him, 
to those who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. And the Bible talks about what happens when you become a child of God and the transition that it makes as being absolutely transformational. That you can't even compare what you're like before you come to Christ and what you become after without using incredible language. And the Bible does. Paul in Ephesians says, once we were enemies of God, alienated from him, now we've become friends of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Once we we were dead in our transgressions, now we're alive through faith in Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1, he says, you know, for God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son. It's like night and day is the difference that happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul writes almost... so. Full on, just writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, he says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Praise God. I can become a child through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, when C.S. Lewis was kind of contemplating all this and thinking through it, and when he preached it, he preached in a, in a message in 1941 at Oxford. And this is what he preached in his sermon about the implications of becoming a child of God, of receiving and believing. This is what he said. He said, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in light of these overwhelming possibilities It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all plays, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, culture, arts, civilization, these are mortal and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendours. What C.S. Lewis would say to us today is you've never locked eyes with an ordinary person. Every one of us are either through faith in Jesus Christ becoming something that if we saw you in your eternal state, I would be strongly tempted to worship thinking you were God. That that should make me kind of treat you different, don't you think? That should make me change the way that I value you, honour you, love you. We should treat each other with the utmost respect, knowing that one day, one day, what you'll become and that who you are now is someone who is incredibly special with God. And our church, as we understand that in Christ we can become children of God, we should be so 
caring of one another and honouring of one another. But at the same token, this week, as you go and as you are served by people in the supermarket, as you work next to someone at your workstation, as you lock eyes with people at school, remember that they are either becoming a child of God for all eternity or someone who, if we were to see in their eternal state, we would revire back in horror. And we should recognise that today the good news is that through faith in Jesus Christ, they can become a child of God, just like you. They can live forever and our hearts should break every time we look at another person, longing for them to come to know Jesus. I was just 14 years old, late at night. The whole house was asleep. And I just, in my bed, I said, God, I believe I receive. I want to become your child. And right there in my bed, while the whole rest of the family slept, I crossed over. I became his child. And everything changed eternally for me. I remember when I was at Dandenong, you know, our church was doing a, a kind of uh, part of an Life outreach in the high school and there's one guy who responded saying, I'd really like to know more about Jesus. I remember him riding up the pathway to our, our house in Dandenong. One hour later, he rode back down our pathway, a child of God, changed for eternity. Just a few weeks ago, we were sitting together in an inquirer's course and we just explained the gospel. And right there in that meeting, three people accepted Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And they moved across from death to life. They became a follower of Jesus simply through faith in Christ. You might be saying, God could never accept me. I have sin, I have fantasies, I have things that if you would just if people would know them, you would reject me. The, this verse finishes off, it says, they were children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. If God is stirring your heart, this is not your deal. God wants you. And he's reaching out to you today and he's saying, come to me. I want you to be my child. I want to provide for you. I want to care for you. I want to forgive you through what Jesus has done on the cross. I want to give you eternal life. (coughs) If he's speaking to you this morning, don't hold back. We're just going to sing a song now. It just says, uh, into your hands I commit again all that I am. And, and the kind of chorus says, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I belong to you. You're the reason that I live. And you know, this morning, if you sense that the God who made the heavens and the earth is reaching out to you today and saying that through faith in Jesus, you can be saved. This could well be the very best important moment of your life. This could be the time when it all changes for you. I just want to encourage you, sing with all your heart and respond to Jesus. Let's sing together.